here at the Indiana Farm Equipment and Technology Expo, and always a good time when I get a chance to catch up with Sean Castile. Sean, how you been, bud? I'm doing well, Rob. Yourself? Uh, not bad. Uh, listen, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was the lessons we learned in 2022, and maybe some things to give consideration to or think about going into 2023. Let's talk about 2022. Sure. Interesting year. Started out kind of herky-jerky, and in the spring, we were looking at it as it was going in the ground, thinking, okay, well, harvest is going to be about almost two months long right. when we finally get there. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the planting season was one that was just so frustrating because we wanted to get out there, but then we get this tenth or two tenths of rain, and then we just couldn't get it planted when we wanted. And then finally things broke open, and then we planted probably half the crop in a two-week period, and then Mother Nature hit again, right? And Mother Nature hit in a way that June was just cruddy, right? I mean, we just didn't get the rain. Beans weren't growing, but I talked about Grandpa and all the, the wise wisdom that he, he would provide and say, you know, I'd rather have the dry June than the dry August, and, and and that's all that happened with us. Uh, we were able to have enough moisture in most of these fields that the roots were continued to grow down. Above ground we weren't, which is fine. We can get a situation where beans have too much above ground growth, have all this biomass, and so then we got to maintain that biomass, all that plant tissue in August and September, and still somehow produce pods and seeds. Whereas this year, we have a nice compact plant. Mother Nature, again, kind of screwed us up in a little bit in that month of June, but then rain came back. Uh, July and August, and some and up in your area, sometimes it came back in way too much, you know, six, seven inches of rain in, you know, a day or two's period. Yeah, some farmers, that was their biggest issue was that just flooding of yep. the fields. Good news was is that they were dry enough that they drained off pretty quickly. But you know, the thing was, you talk about, you know, Grandpa and some of the old axioms, knee high at 4th of July for corn sure. and all that sort of stuff. We were looking at soybean plants at the end of July, hadn't even canopied yet. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, so that month of June, they were not growing above ground at all. You transition to July, we're in drought, D1, D2 status, depending on where you were. And so, yes, there wasn't a lot of big growth there. I mean, I talked about green to die by the 4th of July. I've switched, you know, some of that into the soybean world, and I wanted canopied by the 4th of July, and we weren't there. But we were able to have an August and September to give us enough temperature, enough sunlight and moisture in a lot of these fields to make it up. Also, some of these things that occurred in that July period is that the beans continue to flower, but they did not develop pods. And so they were throwing them off, just like uh, think about like a 2012 year of drought. And we, we flowered for eight weeks because that crop was sensing that it was not good enough conditions with soil moisture to maintain those pods. And so, yeah, we didn't canopy by the end of July, some of these fields, but then we were able to make a lot up because eventually they held on. Maybe not a huge pod load, but the seed size was there. Back to your point about 2012. We're looking at these plants this year, you know, and you're looking at, okay, where is the pod? Is it on the top or the, you know, yeah. and there, there were gaps. It was really kind of a weird set to, to your point. Then we get into fall and it multiple times where they said to me, better than expected. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. You know, whenever you have June that looked as nasty as it did, and I mean, you feel like you had plagues going on. Now you had the flood, you had the drought, you had the flood, and you're just waiting for locusts to come next or something. <laughs> uh, and so with that, I mean, it is so surprising what this crop, both crops for that matter, can do with this crazy season that we had and yeah i mean the pod load and where it was located that plant on soybean it'll tell you where your stresses were right if you didn't have a lot of pods in the lower third of the plant you had a lot of stresses early on if you had a gap in the middle of that canopy but you had some nice ones at the bottom of the top i told you you really got hit in july period so yeah the, the pod load wasn't there but overall they still made pretty sizable yields and one of the other takeaways from this year was is that in terms of disease pressure I wasn't hearing a whole lot of anything from anybody. Oh, yeah. You think about disease, you got to have the pathogen. 
and you got to have the host. So obviously you got the soybean diseases that come with soybeans, right? But then you've got to have the environmental conditions for it. A lot of those maintain some aspect of water. So whether it's high humidity or soil moisture, or a lot of rains. So the month of June, we didn't have a lot of canopy. We didn't have a lot of rain. So we didn't have any of that early white mold type pressure. Right. We, we think about white mold having some heavy humidity, a lot of canopy during R1, R2. So that's going to put you into late June, early July. Didn't have that. You think about some of the foliar diseases. Again, you have a, a compact plant that doesn't have a lot of that leaf material and you don't have just these moist conditions for uh, frog eye leaf spot or any of those other ones to develop yeah we just didn't see a lot of that and so i think that's where again we had a, a lot of yield potential because we didn't have the disease pressure okay so talk about 2022 the test plots around the state what you learned and what are the takeaways that you want to share with farmers going into 2023 you know, the thing with, with the year that we had is the idea that, okay, Mother Nature, we're trying to do as much as we can to manage that and have risk management, right? And so one of the big things for soybeans is planting timely whenever we can and then allow that plant to really maximize the season. There's been some interesting work that I've been finding on the sulfur and the combinations with foliar protection. So there's some synergies that are coming out with this. Not every farm is going to see it, but, you know, if we're pushing planting dates earlier, we can tend to be short on nitrogen, short on sulfur, and so sometimes we can provide a little bit of sulfur with whether it's granular AMS, gypsum, but then that helps with our nodulation. But then there's been this interesting connection later in the season with foliar protection. So I guess when we look at the 23 season, if you're pushing planting dates, knowing that you're going to have a cool, wet condition that's probably going to have limited mineralization, that might be a place to play. I'll put it that way if you haven't got the experience with it. Some sulfur and then just try to follow that up with some foliar protection R3, R4. I've heard more about sulfur in the last three years than I think ever, right? Yeah. No doubt. And so we've had the issues in terms of Clean Air Act is definitely we're not depositing as much sulfur as we used to. We have high yielding crops now that take off a lot more. But again, there's fields that are truly sulfur deficient. And then there's going to be fields I call situationally deficient in sulfur on the soybean front. And those conditions are those that are typically limiting mineralization. So earlier plantings, high no-till, high residue cover crop. Those are going to be ones that are going to cause us issues. Well, and so that goes back to something that we always talk about. And that is, is that one of the best places to start is soil sampling. Yeah, no doubt. And soil sampling is a huge part. On the sulfur side, sulfur is mobile in the soil, and so we don't catch as much with a soil sample in that regard. But soil sampling, that's one of the beauties of this season. Lessons learned. We're able to harvest in a timely fashion and get some good soil uh, test values and soil sampling because last year we didn't catch those. And so we may have uh, forewent some some fertility applications. So this season, get soil samples so then we can make the application and, and bring those fields back up to a foundational level. Fertility is huge. If we don't have a good fertility foundation, phosphorus, potassium, pH is huge. And if we don't have that, we're going to be sold short on so many other aspects of our crop. Sean Castile, always great to talk with you, bud. Good to see you, Rob. Podcasts by Federated Media.